the way our programming lines up is the competitors do the same workout as the class. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to keep the, the community together. So the competitors can take classes. So my wife, Heather, and sometimes Katrin will jump into the 930 class or um, anyone else that's competing at a regional level can jump in any class. And they're also posting the same workouts. Mm-hmm. They're talking about they're talking about the same stuff. It's one thing where everyone's doing rowing wall balls and snatches today. Now it might be a little bit different, it might be squat snatches and heavier weights, yep. but it's the same deal. It's been really beneficial for us as a community and logistics purposes. Yeah. A whole lot of things that are outside of your control. Let them go. Let them go. Just focus on what is the best thing I can do. The best thing I can do to maximize my potential. My potential. My potential. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Um, okay, Ben. A few, maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago, we had a good conversation about how you think about programming for your affiliate. Um, versus how you think about programming for a competitive athlete. So I sort of wanted to piggyback on that idea and sort of follow through and talk to you about how you then go about treating your members who also want to be competitive in whatever Mm -hmm. form that might be, whether that's they do the local throwdown or they're trying to get to regionals. Um, And obviously you're a little bit different because you've also got Katrin here and Matt stops in and all that. But leaving them aside for a minute, the first thing I wanted to sort of talk about is how do you sort of conceptually think about my my members who come in a couple times a week and that makes them happy and my members who come in five or six times a week and want to sort of maximize their athletic potential as much as possible. We, we try to determine people's goals. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge thing for us. And I think that it doesn't need to be super specific. I don't need to know if people want to come in 15th in the open or where they want to do the open prescribed, they want to do the open. And that's, they want to compete in the sport of CrossFit. That's very different than somebody that comes in and says, I want to lose weight. I don't care how much weight you want to lose. That doesn't matter to me at all, but your goal is to lose weight. That's going to look different. So the first thing that we do is we determine why are they here? And that's a huge driving factor behind a lot of things. It's true that are the needs of our grandmothers and the Navy SEALs and Olympians differ by degree, not by kind. So everyone should be doing squats. Everyone should be pulling off the ground. Everyone should be putting things above their head, running, rowing, and jumping. That's true. Having said that, grandma doesn't need to be doing, working on cycling ring muscle-ups. You know, just, she doesn't- That'd be impressive. Well, my grandmother, (laughs) my grandmother doesn't need to. Yours does. I've seen her. She's a freak. She is. Yeah, she's 220. Yeah. At, you know, six two two twenty. <laughs> so the first thing we do is determine the goals that someone's looking for. Yep. Now, if somebody comes in, regardless of their ability, and this is where I think that a lot of people get hung up, regardless of their ability, and they say, I want to compete in the sport of CrossFit, we, that's awesome. We support that. It's cool. Imagine somebody joining a track club or a running club and being like, what's your goal? And they're like, I want to run a 5K. And the coach being like, whoa. Let's walk before we run. Mm-hmm. Let's try to just come three times a week. Mm-hmm. Let's, you're demotivating somebody that's incredibly, you're, they're your ideal client. They want to bring themselves to the highest level yeah. or a higher level, whatever yeah. it is. So the first thing we do is ask their goals and then we don't demotivate once they say that. We support them for their goals. Now, if they're looking to compete, we have a different track than our regular members. 
So we have a track that supports that, and that track is our open programming. And we'll program specific for what we can best determine as maximizing our athletic potential to succeed in the sport of CrossFit based off of the test that the Open has provided us for the last, whatever, six, seven years. That's the first thing we do. Then from there, once we determine that they're a competitor, we set them up with that programming and we modify the workouts appropriate for them just like we would anybody else. And one of the things that we found to be one of the things that we did wrong in the, in the past was we had them do a completely different program. Mm-hmm. And we did that one year. And it was it started with my team. And I think it was the 2000, around 2012. Um, I think it was the year after we won the games, actually. I, if I'm, I, maybe I'm off by a year. But our team won the games in 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the next year we were like, all right. We're going all at this. There's a totally different program for all competitors. Yep. And we did this completely different program and the classes did everything else. We created this huge divide within the community. And it also happens to be coincidence or correlate, I don't know, one of the worst years we've ever done as a team in competition. Yeah. So the divide did not work. Right. Um, to go back a little bit on your, your open track, that's relatively recent for you guys that you actually post three basically three versions of the workout every day is that is that correct is that accurate the open track has been there for a long time okay it wasn't posted on our regular website it was posted on the competitors training website okay that's true yeah Yeah. so um so we've done is we've just um we put that on the the cfne site as well the the affiliate site as well gotcha you guys are lucky to have sort of a physically different space like you've got a little right uh, a, a separate room where most of the time, you're, you you'll find you know your your quote unquote competitors, and whether mm-hmm. it's Catherine or just some of the members who are doing some extra stuff. Um, that's not always the case. But how do you think about separating the people who, even if they come in and they do the class workout, they want to stay and spend an extra hour, yeah. hour and a half? Like, is it necessary that they they're physically separate? Do you like? How do you think about that? It's a really good question, and one that. Because we have that extra space, we have about a 700, 800 square foot extra room where people can do a lot of their accessory work or their warm up or the stuff beyond the conditioning stuff. Just to surmise or repeat what you said, we basically what we do is the way our programming lines up is the competitors do the same workout as the class. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to keep the, the community together. So the competitors can take classes. So my wife, Heather, and sometimes Katrin will jump into the 930 class or um, anyone else that's competing at a regional level can jump in any class. And they're also posting the same workouts. Mm-hmm. They're talking about they're talking about the same stuff. It's one thing where everyone's doing rowing wall balls and snatches today. Now, it might be a little bit different. It might be squat snatches and heavier weights, yep. but it's the same deal. It's been really beneficial for us as a community and logistics purposes. We have the added benefit of that extra room where then people can go do their strength training, Olympic skill transfer movements. They can do their accessory work at midline, extra rowing conditioning in that separate room. If we didn't have that separate room, this is the honest answer. I don't know how we would do it. Yeah. I, other affiliates have asked me that and I don't know how I would do it without um, it being a distraction. Yeah. 
the, the, the first answer I would do is all of that stuff has to happen outside of class times. Mm-hmm. So when there's not a class scheduled, come on in. We want you to be in the gym as much as possible. So the way we talk about programming with our um, um, extra work with our members is come and take a class, but come as early as you want and stay as late as you want and do as much stuff as you want on either end. But please take a class. Right. That's what we want to have happen. If we didn't have that extra room and they were looking to do all that extra stuff, I don't know how we do that. And that's one of the reasons whenever I look at a new space for a new gym, that's one of the things we look for is that additional room if we want to create a competitive environment. Now, the most two most recent gyms we've opened up, we don't want to create that. Purposely, we don't want to create that. So we purposely have not had that extra room. We're not looking to create communities with competitors. We're looking to create communities. Mm-hmm. So there's a different approach. It's what do you want your gym to represent? What is integral? Who is your core? What's part of your core values? Are you a gym that's going to thrive on competition? Are you going to try and create the world's best? Then for me, I need to carve out that space. Mm-hmm. If not, I don't think I would pursue that. I don't mm-hmm. think it'd be a part of what I'm trying to create. So how would you then, you know, in, so the other gyms are tilt, tilt gyms. Mm-hmm. How would you, or how do you guys, I imagine that there is at least every once in a while, a member who kind of gets the bug and wants to yep. do that. How do you talk to them about, or how do you make that decision? Cause I, I think it's really smart to say we can't do everything well. So let's do the, let's do what we can do really, really well. And part of that is not trying to separate athletes and have competitor tracks and whatnot, but how do you deal with sort of the inevitable of a member wanting to do that? Do you say, sorry? Do you, like, how do you, how do you, yeah. how do you sort of tactfully handle it? If you can, if they're able to do the extra work in the same area without disturbing the current class that's going on, please have at it. Yeah. We want you there. We want you to do the extra work. I would recommend that you come in just in off hours. Okay. You know, so if they're a person that comes in in the mid morning, if they're a nine, eight thirty, nine thirty person, just please come in in during early enough during that 7:30 time slot where there isn't a class and get your lifting in beforehand or come in and stay afterwards in that 10:30 time slot when there isn't a class and let's do it then yep. off class times let's you know i think one of the things i'm proud of at crossfit new england is the fact that i don't care what hour of the day you come in the gym is like hopping all, I mean, you, all the time <laughs> there's always people working out all the time yeah. it's hard to tell when there's a class and when there's not cuz there's always people doing something. And that's a cool thing. That's good. That's that's giving a heartbeat to the place. It means it's alive. It's vibrant. It's there's no, it's exciting environment to be a part of. Yeah. Um so here in New England, because you are able to sort of separate just in a physical way, separate the sort of the, the competitors and the regular members, do you guys have you guys ever charged differently? Are they members and then anything else that they want to do, whether it's ask you for help with kipping pull-ups or spend an extra two hours squatting in the back? Is that just part of the membership fee or how does that work? Yeah, that uh, I like that question. I've gotten that question a lot. Um, we don't charge anything extra for any sort of additional programming with the exception of true one-on-one programming or one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. But we have coaches roaming the floor all the time. We have our competitors are coaching each other. They're trying to help each other out. And there's, this is the way we do it. I'm not saying it's the right way to do it, but the way we've structured it is 
all of that stuff, it's they all follow the comp train programming anyway. The comp train programming is for free. Yep. To me, it would sound ridiculous to charge extra to come in an extra time. I'm not a fan of you can label it like upselling, yep. which is charge people a membership and then look for additional ways to create additional revenue streams through your current members. That's not something I'm a big fan of. I think it breaks down the walls of trust and they see the members will see themselves as a you know dollar signs on their faces yeah. instead of as human beings and friends. So I know a lot of other gyms do, um, it'll say, you know, CrossFit class at 8.30, CrossFit yeah. class at 9.30, CrossFit class at 10.30, and then at whatever time of the day, 4.30 is competitors training. Yeah. We, uh, we don't do that. We've never done that with one exception which was on um, Saturdays during regional preparation when our team qualified, mm -hmm. we did a regional uh, a team training team tra time at that time. Yep. Um, outside of that, we've never had true competitor training classes that are run by a coach. We have, as I said earlier, that we have just times in open times between classes that they all get together and they all know that that's time to get and together. It's sort of self-organized. It's self completely has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with Harry, our head coach, has nothing to do with anything on the schedule. They just get together and work out during the the, the non-class times. Mm -hmm. How do you think about, um, I know you're a little bit of a different case than most sort of affiliate owners and coaches, but what about the, the sort of the affiliate owner or the coach who sort of has one or two members who, you know, they want to compete, whatever, again, whatever that looks like. Do they, should they consider themselves their personal coach? Like, should they dedicate more time to them just because, you know, they're paying members and they're, and they have, you know, they have a big goal and whatnot, but should you, should, should the coach, should the, should the affiliate owner sort of go out of their way to whether it's extra coaching or like tweaking workouts to make sure that it's whatever, harder scaled appropriately, yeah. um, or should if that's not your thing, if you're not, if you don't consider yourself a you know a competitive coach or you're not interested in that, or your affiliate's not interested in that, are they just sort of like on their own, or how how would you consider looking at that as a as a coach or as an affiliate? Yeah, I like that question. Um, this might sound like a you know a perfect world scenario type answer, but. I believe that you should give everybody the coaching that they're asking for. So regardless if it's a person that's trying to go to regionals and they're the best athlete in the gym, or it's a person trying to run their first marathon, or it's a person trying to get off diabetes medication, if they're looking for more, in my opinion, we should be giving them more. Now, some people don't want more. Some people are in the gym and they don't enjoy being coached. Yep. In that case, like you want to meet the levels of their expectations. Right, So if they're there because they want to have the best hour of their day and they want to sweat a lot and they want to see if they can lift a little more weight and look a little bit better on the beach, that's cool. Like, Let's try to help them move better a little bit, but don't overcoach them. You're going to overwhelm them and they're going to be gone. Right? There are other people that are chomping at the bit to get your feedback and advice and coaching and everything else in between. And they want to know what they should be doing for nutrition and for sleep and for recovery and for increasing performance and cycle times, what's the appropriate loading? I think we should be giving that to them regardless of what their goals are. So it's mm -hmm. not because they're the top athlete in the gym that finished the best in the open and you might be able to get them in regionals. Here's, sorry to bust everybody's bubble, but 
Everyone thinks that like, I got this athlete that's going to go to regionals. If they wear my shirt in regionals, right. it's going to have this amazing effect on my membership yeah. and we're going to get so many more members. No, you're not. <laughs> you know who's watching regionals is the people that are already members of gyms yeah. already they're already bought are, in are, somewhere. They're already bought into it. That you're not going to get new people from an athlete representing your shirt at regionals. It's just not going to happen. Even if that athlete is in the top 10 and gets a lot of FaceTime on TV, on uh, whatever. On the internet. In, on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not, it's not going to be a driving factor for your affiliate yeah. at all. So you can scratch that. If that's your motive, it's misplaced. Yeah. It's got to be because you care a lot about that member and you want that member to get everything that they they possibly can, but that shouldn't differ if it's that athlete or it's the athlete that's trying to lose 40 pounds mm -hmm. and wants everything they can get out of you. Mm -hmm. How do you, what would you suggest for a coach who maybe has a couple of those members who want to compete, but they themselves, the coach don't, doesn't have any experience whether it's coaching for sort of the competitive side of CrossFit or programming, like what sort of resources might they, if they do want to, if they believe that and they say, I want to give as much as I can to this person, but I don't feel equipped yep. to, to do that in a way other than guesswork. Like what yeah. sort of resources might there be for them to at least start kind of like getting ahead of the curve so they can answer the questions that might come up. Love it. The first thing is I would not be scared of it. You got to start. Yeah. Right. Like that's the biggest thing is like, the only way you're gonna get experience is by getting experience. Yeah. So start. Now, having said that, you wanna become as knowledgeable as you can. So seek out everything you can. Things like the Power Monkey Camp, mm -hmm. phenomenal tool to get geeked out about some really specific areas of our sport. Yep. From programming, to running, to gymnastics, to kettlebells, to Olympic weightlifting. To It's a great where you're gonna spend really in-depth stuff with specialists within their individual sports. Yep. After that, go and spend time with some of the, the the great coaches in our sport. Open up their doors and allow you to come in. You can come to a competitor's training camp. Mm -hmm. You go to CJ at Invictus training camp. You can go to a brute strength training camp. You can go to like see all these different amazing thought leaders within our community. They're opening the doors yeah. to us. This is not hard to get better at. So someone's like, I don't know how to give me a book to read. Like right. Don't go read a book, go experience it. Mm -hmm. Go and hear from the horse's mouth truly what they have to say. Then from there, the next thing I would do is read. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd start to dig into some, you know, and where I would probably go the most is it's hard from my, my perspective is it's, I've, I've tried to read as much as I can about this, but it's hard to learn a lot about movements and kinesiology and points of performance through, it's hard to read about that. What's really easy to read about is sports psychology. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to grasp it and start to put it into practice. It also, in my opinion, is the thing that's going to move the needle for these athletes a huge amount. So what I would do is use the um, the resources within the community in terms of the coaches and these camps. Mm -hmm. You know, and I listed Power Monkey. Maybe there's a whole bunch of others, but I've been to that three yep. or four times. And I I know what they do, so I feel really confident speaking to it. Mm -hmm. um, but then use those as the resources to improve your skills and the points performance, but then read a lot about mindset and the other, whether it's just reading a book by John Wooden yep. or it's about reading a book by Bob Rutella, who's a, one of the best sports psychologists in the country. Yep. And then, like you said, and then putting it into practice as soon as, as soon as you can and as often as you so can. So that's a big thing, actually. So I've been talking to a couple of people recently about this is when you read something, I think here's what a lot of people do is they read it 
And they're reading it like people do to, this is a big difference between really elite athletes and pretty good athletes. The pretty good athletes do all the programming. They do everything that's prescribed and they do it to a T. Well, that's great. You get to check off all those boxes and give yourself a nice pat on the back at the end of the day saying like, I did everything I could. Yep. The great athletes, the way Katrin does it is she's trying to maximize every minute of that training. What she, can she learn this minute? Literally this minute, what am I going to take away from this set? So everything becomes a growth opportunity. I think a lot of people when they read books, get done with the chapter and they're like, finish that chapter. And they can't wait to finish the book because they can pat themselves on the back and say, I read a book. Mm-hmm. As opposed to people that are diving into the material and not going to the next paragraph until they're saying, could I teach this to somebody else? And then what the next day, this is, I'm going to give away a big secret of one of the things that I do. When I read a book, as I'm reading it, the whole time I'm, I'm reading it, I'm like, can I use this for my affiliate? Can I use this for a business seminar? Can I use this for my athletes? Mm-hmm. Can I use this for my relationships? And if I can, I make a note of it and then I use it within 24 hours. Yeah. I literally will close the book, I'll write it back up and I'll text it to my athletes. Mm-hmm. And now I not only have I read it, but I've reread it, I've written again in my own words, I'll surmise it in my own words and I'll say, guys, this is what, this is important. Mm-hmm. And now I'm using it. They say the best student is the teacher or what's some saying like that, that, right? So as you as you start teaching it to other people, you learn it more. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's one of the biggest differences in people when they, I don't care how many books you read, yep. right? It's can you read one book and really use the material? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Leave it at that. Cool, thanks, Pat. Thank you.